0: I haven't met you. I'm one of the pastors here at Ascent, and I am really glad that you guys are here. its It has been, like those guys said, it's been two months since the fire happened. Um, For some of you, that feels like it was a long time ago. For some reason, um, for me, uh, it feels like it is flying by. I cannot believe it's been two months. I think there's so much that has to be done every single day that it's... um, that it seems to just be, it feels like it was just yesterday that it happened, and so many things have to happen um, each day to, to, to try to fix this. Um, and so, so it's, been, it's been hard. Jackie and I just, um, this last week, we, uh, we got together with about, I don't know, 25, 30 folks from our church that lost homes, and we just sat together in one of the classrooms and, and, and shared stories. And, and, you know, people were sharing what they lost and, and, and what they wish they would have picked up, um, what they wish they would have taken with them. Jackie and I were in Spokane, so we didn't get to take anything, but people were, were saying, it's, it's weird now to put a sane thought into an insane moment, the insane moment of what it was happening. You're thinking of, do I take my, you know, one of them said that they took a half of a, a the lunch that they were microwaving. They got to have that lunch. They didn't get anything else, but they had to have that lunch that they were microwaving. That that's the kind of stuff that people were sharing. Jackie and I thought about it later that we had this, um, this cedar chest. I know, you know, <laughs> it makes me sound like I'm 90. I had a cedar chest. My grandma gave it to me. And we put all of my kids like jerseys, their Louisville uh, basketball jerseys and their t-ball jerseys and, and their blankies. All those were in there in this cedar chest. And uh, thinking about the fire taking that cedar chest is so hard. It's, you personify the fire and you think it's just chewing up all of those memories. There were those things. And then it's my Randy Johnson rookie cards. I had 25 mint condition Randy Johnson upper deck 1989 rookie cards. I was gonna retire on those or at least go on a couple of trips. And and the fire took them all. It didn't even leave me one. <laughs> you know? So we talked about those things, the things that we lost. We talked about how how tiring it is now. A lot of us feel like we have a second full-time job taking care of of our job, and then we are taking care of this new job of FEMA and all the rest of the stuff that we're dealing with. And, and, then, uh, and then we just talked about kind of the loneliness that you feel, that, that a lot of care is poured out and beautiful care and care that everybody that received it you're so thankful for, but most people's lives kind of move on as they should. But for the folks that have lost houses, or even those that have been displaced, or, or you know, those that are still dealing with it as their kids are walking through the neighborhoods, they're, 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 you want to kind of wave your hand and say, you know, we're still here, and we're still dealing with it, and we will be for a really long time. So there's a, there's a sense of loneliness in that. I've wanted to make sure that I share that with you guys um, as much as I can week to week here, because, because, like I said, I want us to enter into the stories. I want us to um, to, to hear each other's stories and, and, and step into those. So I wanna I want you guys to hear those stories. I want you to hear the ones of the ones that they're the only houses left in a blo- on a block. And I want us to keep entering into that. Let's not put that aside. And so I've wanted to share that with you. I've been on a journey with God in the midst of all of this that I've tried to share with you as well. There's times where I'm really mad at God, especially when it snows. I mean, if that snow would have just come one day earlier, of course, no snow, November and December, and now we're setting records in January and February of snow. And I know you skiers that are out there are just loving it, and yes, more snow. My house burned down. My staff says I can say that for one full year, and then I don't get to say that anymore. (laughs) Oh, yeah, well, my house burned down. (laughs) Um, So I get mad at God at some of that stuff. I can't get past four in the morning. I keep waking up around four in the morning, and I can't get past it. Um, And I keep saying to God, I know I can't get anything accomplished between now and six. And so, so, you know, two more hours of sleep, but for some reason, my mind won't turn off, so I can't get past four in the morning. Um, and, and and I and I'm I'm trying. I've been wrestling with God. I'm God. I know my number one priority is my wife and my kids. I've got to care for them. And I know a priority is this church and those that have been displaced or their house has been lost. And I got to care for them and everybody else that's going through anything else. And then I and then I feel like, but but I also you know it says, man, you, you God you, God's telling us we got to love our neighbor and and we got a neighborhood of people that are needing. Leadership and guidance along that way, and so I'm going, man, God, these buckets are all full, and which one do you do? do?" And so I've been wrestling with God in that, Um, and again, trying to to just keep you guys informed on on some of of the challenge that we face. In the midst of it all, God has been tenderly walking with me. And it's been, it has been revealing stuff in me. I've been more reflective than I've been in a long time around my faith and, and all of it. And, and as I share that with you, I pray, you guys, I pray that this would be things that you too might um, go through, not just if you lost a house or you're displaced, but with anything that you face, any of the hardship that you face, I, I hope that what I'm sharing around my faith is something that, that can relate for you as well. Today, what I want to talk about today is something that, that, again, I'm surrendering this and hoping that maybe it's something that you guys would, are, 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 some of you struggle with as well. Today, I want to talk about the, the, the general sense that I just don't have enough faith, that there's, there's folks that walk just going, I just wish I had more faith. And I want to talk about that, because I've been living in that type of mentality for a long time in my life, and, and, and God is revealing some stuff in me in these, in these last couple of months that is changing my perspective on that. And so, again, I'm praying that it's, it's, it sets on your heart and your soul as well. And if it doesn't, and you're just going, man, I, I walk with a strong faith, and I don't know what that guy's talking about, then you know what? Um, Play some Candy Crush or something on your, on your phone, and the rest of us will talk about it, all right? So, Father, I want to pray that, that this morning will be a, a morning that we can um, be honest with ourselves around our faith. God, take the words and the, and the journey that you've had me on, and I pray, Lord, that it would be one that would, would be uh, transferable to others as well, and that your Holy Spirit would work. Take these words sift them and, and draw out what needs to be drawn out for somebody um, that would help them to draw closer to you. We're so thankful that you are in this place, that you are present and you have something in store for each one of us, uh, whether it was a, a, a words that Whitney and the team were singing or it's something that's said or part of that session that will happen afterwards with our couple of therapists, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that we people would draw closer to you as a result. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, well, here's how I wanna do this. I wanna... I'm going to first share with you my, my, my favorite genre of movie, okay? My favorite genre of movie of all movies is, it, it, of, of all movies that I watch is war movies. I love them. I love, uh, uh, except for Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor was really bad. I mean, the love triangle and all that and Ben Affleck and his looks. And I, 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 I wasn't really big on Pearl Harbor. But the rest of them, um, I love war movies. I love hearing people's stories. The Vietnam veterans are, or it, I love hearing veterans' stories. My dad was a vet and, uh, and served in the Army during the Vietnam War. Warren. And and so just hearing stories, I just love sitting there listening to them. So if any of you uh, have served and would want to get a cup of coffee, I'll listen to your story. I love hearing them. But in those those war movies, when I watch them, I always think about, about the characters and what I would be if I was in that situation. I try to picture, would I be that guy or that guy or that one or that one? I try to picture who I would be. There's two characters in all the war movies that I've watched that I tend to think the most about. It's a, it's a man named Captain Winters and a private named Private Oppum. Those are the two that I, I, I look at one, I go, man, I wish I could be that one. I look at the other and I go, I hope I'm not that one. See, when I, so when I see Captain Winters, he was in Banner Brothers, and Banner Brothers is the best movie that's ever been made, um, and it's a 10-part movie series, and you have to watch, it's unbelievable, it's fantastic. Well, well Captain Winters... Was, was the one that led these guys in World War II. And, and, and I watch him, and when things got bigger, the chaos got greater, he got greater as a leader. He trusted his non-commissioned officers. He, it, when, when, it was, when the bullets were flying, he was making decisions, great decisions. He was seeing where people are at when evaluating the situation, and he was knowing when to step in and when to pull back. I, I watch all of that. He reminds me of my grandfather. And I, and, I just, and I see that and I think, man, I would love it if, if, if I was in the intensity of those moments, if I could stand up like Captain Winters was able to stand up. On the other hand, there's this guy named Opum, a pri- private Opum from, uh, from uh, um, um, uh, Saving Private Ryan. So, which, as it turns out now, is like 30 years old. So I'm feeling really old. Um, but, but in Saving Private Ryan, this private is a writer, and he gets pulled into becoming a soldier. And so, as he's as he's as he's walking with the rest of these guys, when the intensity and the bullets were flying and all that, he got scared. He got paralyzed. In fact, one of his guys was, was in a fight in this upper room and he was coming up the stairs and he was call, the guy was calling for him and Oppen was so scared, he just sat on the stairwell and did nothing to help him. And we're watching, Jackie and I are watching, I think we were engaged at the time we were watching it, and the two guys behind us were laughing and saying, you chicken, they yelled that out. My wife turned around to these two guys and said, shut up. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, don't mess with Jackie Sylvie in a movie theater. You know? I know what, per- I know what person she would be in a horror movie, you know. It was awesome. I sunk back, I was oppum. Jeez, <laughs> you know. But but he was paralyzed in the in the scariest parts. In fact, there was one part near the end that he hid in his foxhole. And just hid there. And, and see, I want to be Captain Winners, I don't want to be Oppum. But we won't know until you're in the, in the situation. You won't know. Well, for us in our faith, I think we want to say, my faith is strong and it can handle anything. And I can, I can, when any, whatever gets thrown my way, my faith is right there and strong. But we won't know until we're in the position to really know how our faith will do in it. You won't know until you're sitting in the oncologist's office and you're about to get those test results. You won't know how will my faith do when when I get this information. You won't know how your faith is going to do until you're sitting there in your parents' living room in Spokane and watching on the nine, nine news from four states away, your house burning down. You won't know how your faith is going to do. Now what happened for me, and I told you guys this the first week that we came back together as a church, I said that when that happened to me, I was surprised at how strong my faith was. I was surprised at that. I, 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 I was recognizing the goodness of God in, in the midst of all that. And I was, I was going, wow, that's, I would not have expected that from me. And the reason why I was surprised by it is because I tend to live my life feeling like I'm at a deficit when it comes to my faith. Now, I know that some of you hear that and you're going, you're going, uh, do I want to be part of a church where the pastor is, is questioning whether he's going to have enough faith? I know some of you are thinking that right now. I got some good churches you guys can go to, I think you might want to, <laughs> that are going to be way better than this one, because here I am going, man, I didn't think I had enough faith for this. See, I've always felt like I'm at a deficit of faith. Here, faith here's, here's the way I've looked at it. I've looked at it like a bank account, and I've looked at it like you're sitting there, and you're going, you have your you have your deposits and your withdrawals. And for me, I have felt like I have to because of my position. Maybe that's why I've always felt like I'm at a deficit. Because of my position, I felt like I have to have more deposits than withdrawals. I have to be in surplus, not in deficit, because I got to help other people to get to that place of surplus. But I've never felt like I have enough. I've always felt like there's more withdrawals than deposits. You know, if a deposit is that I'm spending good time with the Lord and lengthy prayer times, and I'm reading scripture and getting tons from that, and, and I'm trusting God each day, if those are all deposits, and withdrawals are I prayed for five minutes and I did a really good to-do list for the day, and if the withdrawal is I, I read two chapters of scripture and I don't remember one thing, or a withdrawal is I can't find my Bible, <laughs> you know, it's if that's a withdrawal, if a withdrawal is, is, is going, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm walking worried, I'm walking with doubt. If those are withdrawals, I, I, I tend to look at my faith and go, I have more withdrawals than I do deposits. And so I'm walking with a deficit instead of a surplus. And so when the hard stuff hits, will my faith even stand? That's the way I've looked at it. The the definition of faith in Hebrews 11 is, now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. But see, the problem with that definition is it seems like that's out there, a confidence that we hope for and assurance of what we don't see. And we want to make it tangible or I want to make it tangible. And so I'm going to put action items to it. And if I can make these action items work, then I think my faith is going to be good. But here's the problem. If that's the way I'm operating, if that's the way we're operating, then, then is my faith truly in the faithfulness of God or is my faith in my actions? Which ultimately leads, is my faith in me or is my faith in God? That's what I've been wrestling with as I've put actions in, as, as the key. A long time ago, there's a guy named Earl Palmer, a senior pastor at University Press in Seattle, and that's where the years that I formed my faith was in those years. And Earl gave this great analogy. He was he's the smartest theologian I know, and, and he he gave this great analogy of faith from that Hebrews 11 passage. He said it's like it's like skiing, and he said he said when you learn how to ski, and most of us have done that around here, when you learn how to ski, he says. Your natural tendency is leaning into the mountain. That's what you want to do is lean into the mountain. And he says, when you first start skiing, you keep falling over into the mountain. He says, but what you have to do in learning how to ski is put your weight down on your downhill ski. It's counterintuitive, but you got to put your weight down on your downhill ski. And when you do that, you're going to learn that you can trust that that's what it's going to take to to be in control, to turn. You put your weight down on your downhill ski and you can turn back the other way. You have to put your weight down on that one instead of the one leaning towards the mountain. He's taking Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean on into your own understanding and all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. That's a a proverb of faith. And he's saying, all of what we want to do is lean on our own understanding. That's the mountain. But we need to do is trust in the Lord, put your weight on the downhill ski, and know that that is the way we got to live. That's faith is putting your weight down on that downhill ski, trusting in the Lord rather than ourselves. It's a phenomenal illustration. But what I didn't know is I took that illustration myself personally, I took it and I turned it into action. I turned it into, I mean, I was an athlete and I grew up playing baseball, basketball, and football, And, 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 and I, but I was, I was not very talented. And so I had to just work really hard at each of those sports to be able to get the playing time that I wanted to get. I had to work really hard. And so with this, with skiing, I mean, I've never been a great skier. I skied a bunch, and then I tore my ACL, and I decided golf is way more important than skiing, so I stopped skiing. So, but but, I, but I, I thought, okay, I just got to grit my teeth. I got to make it work. I'm going to fall, and then I got to do it better next time. And so, so I, I not knowing, I don't think I consciously did it. I think I subconsciously did it. I turned faith into action. It was about action. Our our action has to follow and be a result of our faith. Our action can't be what we depend on to have faith. Do you see the difference there? And that's what I, I... It became the action that I was dependent on. I feel like in these last couple of months... God has put his arm around me, and he's taken me on a little journey, a little walk, and he said, Bill, let me me reorient you around faith. I opened up John and and the gospel of John, and and right at the beginning, John decides to write about about the calling of the first disciples and, and, and the calling of this guy, Andrew. You don't read very much about Andrew. Every once in a while, you read about him, but it's Andrew and Peter, his brother Peter, and they were one of the first people that Jesus called to follow him. And I, and I started reading this, and, and, and I had no idea that this would speak so much to me, but it said this. He says, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So now, so here comes Peter and, and Andrew following Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you guys want? You know, you just picture it. They're following Way too close, and he, Jesus going, "What do you guys want?" And they panicked with their answer. They panicked. They're like, um, "Rabbi, where are you staying?" <laughs> you know, that's all they wanted to know where he was staying. Where are you staying? And Jesus gave the most tender, invitational response that every one of us need to hear. Jesus says, "Come, and you'll see. Come, and you'll see." They're sitting there and they're they're following him. And he says, come and you'll see. Come and you'll see my goodness. Come and you'll see my faithfulness. Come and you'll see when you're feeling weak. Come and see how strong I will be. Come and see that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Come and see that what I say is actually true. Come and see that I am the Messiah and I am the Savior. Come and see. That's all he did. Now, this is a, this, I just stopped at this moment, you guys. I stopped right there. And I thought, he didn't set up a desk and have him sit on that side and, and, and have Andrew sit there and, and Jesus sit here and say, okay, now let's talk about what a checking account looks like. Let's talk about withdrawals and deposits. Let's talk about the times that you're gonna do way more withdrawals than you are, uh, than you are deposits. Let's talk about, he didn't set it up like some checking account that he was keeping track of. He just said, come and follow me and see that I am a faithful God. And so Andrew started following him. I decided I was just going to start looking through the rest of scripture with all the different parts that Andrew was in. And and I just thought, "I I want to learn more about this Andrew." And so I started studying more about it. I started thinking of the different times that he interacted with Jesus, and I thought about that moment that all the disciples were on the boat, and the rains and the storms were coming, and, and the disciples were scared. In that moment, I would conclude deficit. Wouldn't any one of those guys, those guys all had a deficit in that boat, scared to death? And Jesus comes in and calms the storm. And as I read through that, I'm going, you know what? It was not their faith that calmed that storm. It was the faithfulness of God that calmed the storm. And they saw it and their faith grew because of it. I started thinking of another moment where Andrew was there with the rest of the disciples and all those folks were hungry. They, they were hangry at that point. You know, they were, they were in need of a Snickers because they were all up there on the mountainside. They had had a full day. They wanted food. The disciples knew that they were going to be revolting because of it. And, 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 then, and then Andrew says this. Andrew says, what did he say? He spoke up and he said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. 5,000 people are up there and he finds this guy with a little basket of food. And then here comes deficit. Ready for deficit? How far will they go? How far will they go among so many? Deficit. It's an impossibility. How many times do we just go, impossibility? I got no faith for that. Deficit. But what did Jesus do? He took that, and it was his faithfulness that fed those people. It was not Andrew's faith, but his faithfulness that fed those people. And Andrew's faith grew from it. See, later on, Jesus sits there with with all of them, and he says, Look, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, You can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Or another one, he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can see mountains move. Jesus is saying to him, faith as small as this will move mountains because of my faithfulness. Faith as small as this will change things because of my faithfulness. He's looking at him going, how foolish would you be if you had that much faith and are now dissecting that mustard seed into deposits and withdrawals? That would, that'd be crazy. Because he's going, it's faith as small as this that recognizes my faithfulness. See, I've always, I've always looked at it like a, like a bucket of water. And if I get a picture of it and pour it into this other bucket and I keep pouring in my faithfulness and I keep pouring it in and then I sprinkle a little God's faithfulness on top of that, something good might happen. And he's going, no, man, this is a dropper of your faith, a drop in the bucket, and a fire hose, we'll use that analogy today, that is just pouring out his faithfulness over it. It's a fully different way to look at it. It's why it's so crazy if you ever hear in a church, leave it in an instant, when you you ever hear in a church someone say, well, it's because you didn't have enough faith. That's why that happened. It's it's counter to everything Jesus is teaching. That it's, no, no, your faith could be this big, but it doesn't matter because my faithfulness will cover it. When you look back at Hebrews 11, in that definition of faith, the confidence and the assurance, it, it, after that he lists off the hall of fame of faith, and he lists off all these people with these great, this, this great faith. It says it, he said in uh, in Hebrews 11:29, it says by faith the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. It's, that's that's the Exodus and all these people that are going through, and you're going, man, that's a Hall of Fame person with their faith. They must have a ton of faith. You guys, these guys complained, I'll use that word, complained. Throughout 40 years in the wilderness. Their faith was here. They wanted back to Egypt. They said, that would be better than what we're going through right now. Their faith was here, and it didn't matter because his faithfulness is what parted that sea. and they got to see the faithfulness of God in that, and they're, they're looked at as part of the hall of fame of faith. Why? Because with their mustard seed of faith, they saw the faithfulness of God. When you see Moses, and it says, by faith, Moses, I mean, he had grown up the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. That's the writer of Hebrews that writes about Moses. And he's saying, see, Moses had this great faith. He was looking ahead to his reward. This is the same guy that when God called him to do it, he said, I don't have the right words to say. They won't listen to me. And he begged God to send somebody else to do it. Deficit. Mustard seed. That was Moses. But the faithfulness of God met that mustard seed. That's what did it. The faithfulness of God in Moses' life. And when you look at Abraham, and the next one was Abraham, by faith Abraham, and God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, a hall of fame guy of great faith. And yet when, he, when, when God said he's gonna, he and Sarah are gonna get pregnant, he laughed. Impossibility deficit, minuscule faith, and God did powerful things. It was the faithfulness of God that met him. When you're sitting in that room, that oncology office, and you ask the question, do I have enough faith for whatever the answer will be? The reality is this much is all is needed because his faithfulness will cover whatever answer you hear. When you're sitting there looking at your children and you're going, do I have enough faith to lead and to help my children draw closer to Jesus? Do I have enough faith to do that in this world that we live in today? His faithfulness is what will cover that. Do I have enough faith to handle a house and memories yeah. and everything torn apart and destroyed and what will happen as a result? His faithfulness will cover it. There's a, there's a song that I used to sing in, the, in it was 20 years of working in the Presbyterian church, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And some of you guys, a lot of you guys know that song. And it's, uh, it's, it was written a long time ago, and Billy Graham picked it up and, and as, a, as a young guy, and that's what kind of inspired him, was Great is Thy Faithfulness. And, and, and in that song, it's great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I seek. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. That's the song I'm, I, I know. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm a great singer, right? Right, 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 right. Look, I butcher lyrics all the time. I butcher them all the time. And and, the worship team can come up anytime you guys want to at this point. I butcher butcher lyrics all the time. But you butcher these lyrics and it changes your theology. And I do it all the time. Great, if I'm saying great is my faithfulness, Lord unto thee. Great is my faithfulness. That's what I'm trying to do. Lord, unto thee, I'm trying to honor you. Great is my faithfulness. Lord, unto thee. We've missed the point of Lamentations that this song comes from. The Lamentations verse is, is this one. Can uh, put that up there for me? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You guys, the song is great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto me, I'm singing a song that's saying, I have this much, but great is your faithfulness that is poured unto me, unto me in that oncology room, unto me when I'm when I'm up all night and my kid will not sleep. Unto me when I'm driving through destruction every day. Unto me when when you have no control over FEMA and what's going to happen with debris removal. Unto me in a church where we've been displaced. Great is thy faithfulness, your faithfulness, Lord. Unto me when I feel this big. It has nothing to do with my actions. My actions will only be a result of your faithfulness. It has nothing to do with how hard I grit my teeth and make sure that I don't have a 10-point spill on the mountain. It is great as your faithfulness, Lord, unto me, no matter where I stand. We sing of that promise. We sing of that God that's never leaving us nor forsaking us and saying, I'm pouring it out on you today. We sing to that God that is saying his promise faithfulness will fill every single gap. What happened to me and why did I conclude that my faith was strong? I think what happened to me is in my little tiny bit of faith that I've got, God's faithfulness was poured out over me and Jackie and Abby and Maggie and our family. And I feel like God is just saying, I'm here and I'm still good. And Whitney led us in a song that first Sunday afterwards of the goodness of God. And I am bawling in the front row because I feel like God just gave me a glimpse. He is faithful. No matter where my faith stands. Father, I pray that that for each one of us and in our journey with you, God, I pray that we'd be able to surrender the need to earn any faithfulness that you'd give us. I pray that we would surrender the, 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 the feeling that we gotta work to make that faithfulness happen. Help us open our eyes to your faithfulness. Open our eyes to what you are doing. Open our eyes to to the fact that you don't set up a checking account and deficit and, and, and surplus and all of that is not part of your equation. You just meet us and your faithfulness covers us. And I pray that each one of us would feel it, know it, live it, and then let our actions be a result of it. Continue to speak to me in this, Lord. I need this. I need you to continue to journey with me on this. Help me to surrender to your faithfulness and put that weight on the downhill ski of truth of you in my life. It's in your name we pray, amen.